Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. We got a special, special show for you today. I have a very very cool guest, April Elliott Kent, joining us here today. We're going to talk about the astrology of Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. It is something we've been talking with all of you about for weeks now, and finally the day has come. Uh, the reason I reached out to April was because about a week or so ago, I was looking at my chart and how and what I wanted to get done. And so I found April, and I was so impressed with what she was doing and how she was doing it. And so what I was able to do was to then have my solar return run. Um, and that's another word is, I got to look and take a sneak peek ahead. Now, what did I learn? Well, I learned a little, but clearly not enough for me to fully understand the esoteric impact of what this year is going to be. All of us wanna know, what are we shifting? what's changing. And so it was really kind of intriguing for me when I looked at big sky astrology and what she was doing and how she was doing it. And then I decided I need to have a conversation today with her about what this means on the day of the meaning. Uh, and if you've watched this from an astronomy point of view, and you've been following what they're showing you um, uh, in the stars, in the skies, all of the above, then what happens is you get to the place of awe, at least I know that I am. But then when you think about what is it we're doing here today, and what is it that April has said yes to in her life about sharing aspects of astrology that tap in to not just the lining of the stars, but also the soul's pathway. Today, she's going to take us on a journey on this happy solstice day and talk with us about not the new moon in Sagittarius, what does that mean, but so much more. April, it's great to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. And thank you for inviting me, Dr. Pat. This is wonderful. It's so great to have you here. Um, there's so much um, that I found when I, when I found you, there was so much on your website and the way you talk about this that really caught my attention. Oh, right? that's great. Yeah, great to hear. Yeah, it's all anybody's been writing about, really, in astrology. At, at the beginning of last year, it was all about Saturn and Pluto, which was the, the really 
big conjunction that that got the year off to a big start and I have to say a really difficult start uh, and we knew when we saw that coming as astrologers that's all anybody was talking about in 2019 and then throughout 2020 as well we have been looking at how that particular coming together of Saturn and Pluto has really played out in society in the culture in our lives and so now this is like the bookend at the other end of the year this beautiful Jupiter Saturn conjunction that we have in Aquarius so we're all feeling pretty excited about it and happy to be writing about something kind of uplifting for a change and you know that's really why I wanted to have you on here because my listeners probably ad nausea are <laughs> uh, tired of me uh, following Jupiter of course you know, my, my planet, my ruling planet, one of my ruling planets, I split mm -hmm. the scene between Jupiter and Capricorn. Okay. So they have a very interesting relationship in my chart. Right. Um, but I had to take a sneak peek because I know what it was like when Jupiter started to make its rounds, first of all, in Sagittarius, then in Capricorn, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I look back and I say, wow, that makes sense, nothing makes more sense then looking back at 2020 and looking at this Pluto Saturn thing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And people are a little afraid. So that's why I wanted to have you on because we're in a new energy, aren't we? I absolutely have felt it over the last week. I don't know about you. If Jupiter yeah. is, do you mean that you have the sun in Sagittarius in your chart? I have the sun in Sagittarius and my yes. moon in Capricorn. There and I got go. a bunch of other Sagittarian things, but they're all up like here in this right quadrant. Mm -hmm. um, so you are, as you say, I mean, you're sort of the litmus test for this conjunction because Jupiter and Saturn are two of your most important ruling planets. And in my chart as well, I'm having a Jupiter return tomorrow. Wow. So, so I'm really kind of feeling this energy and I have the Saturn Pluto conjunction on my Saturn because I was born with Saturn and Capricorn, Jupiter just in Aquarius and conjunct. So I find myself over and over being the mouthpiece for this particular conjunction. I guess you are too, because we're well, really it, tuned it, into yeah. those. Yeah, I've been the mouthpiece with very little knowledge and education. <laughs> so, I, so yeah, so I'm the mouthpiece that talks about it from a practical, this is what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, my understanding, and let's give people a little backdrop to this, is that I've been sharing this beautiful relationship between Jupiter and Saturn. And it's almost like, a, like you can get one of those sci fi movies, like the one where they show you the meteors are going to crash and like that. Uh, because yeah. when you see how close they get, what is mm -hmm. it this they haven't come this close in hundreds of years. Right. It, well, except they're not physically close. It's sort of like close in the way that when we have a solar eclipse, okay. there's this very, very funky coincidence, celestial coincidence. That means the distance of the moon from the earth and its size lines up in just the right way so that we can get an eclipse. They're obviously not right. We're not right next to each other. It's the same with Jupiter and Saturn. I mean, they're very, very far apart. But every now and again, every eight, a hundred years or so, you will get a situation like this where they are, they appear really close in the sky. I'm so excited tonight to go out and see the exact yeah. conjunction because yeah. it's been beautiful and clear. You're in Seattle, right? Yeah. 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 We're going to watch it on, on the internet. Right. <laughs> well, here in San Diego, I have to say it's been beautifully clear and I've been going out every night seeing that night that the moon was really close as well. What four or five days ago was stunning. 
and last night it's just you see it getting closer and closer and it's really something to see so yeah we're really excited about it and there's some speculation of course that something similar uh was what's referred to in the bible when they talk about the star of bethlehem yeah you know, the christmas star so because it's just going to be dazzling so yeah. Yeah, having them come together, though, they come together in a conjunction every 20 years. So this is kicking off several cycles. One is the, the regular 20-year, what we call a synodic cycle of Jupiter and Saturn. Jupiter has a 12-year cycle to go around the sun, and uh, Saturn has a 29-year cycle. So it's only every 20 years that they sync up, and we get these great conjunctions, we call them. And they... Um, they're fairly spectacular. What they're doing is resetting of you know the economy, politics, culture for the coming 20 years. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're looking at today on the day of the solstice, which is kind of exciting. Well, here's what excited me when I started to like dabble into this a little bit further. And I did get my solar return chart from you and I got an additional chart. And of course I've been looking at it and of literally cannot make sense of it except for what you've written and helped me get clarified. Mm -hmm. um, but what I've noticed about it is the sort of movement in it. But isn't the game changer really Aquarius? Oh, I, mean, I mean, you know, because we're talking about Jupiter and Saturn and they do the dance. Mm -hmm. well, they have not danced with Aquarius in a really long time, have they? Right. It was since 1405, <laughs> the dawning of the Renaissance. So it has been. So what happens with Jupiter and Saturn is it takes 800 years for these great conjunctions to move through all of the elements. So we've been having them in Earth signs for about 200 years. And now they are switching once and for all to air signs. We'll have that for about 180 years. So it's really very exciting. As you say, Aquarius hasn't had its due in a very long time. And we're kind of looking at this with some excitement and thinking, well, this is, you know, probably what we saw when we first had Jupiter and Saturn coming together in an air sign, just as a little fluke back in 1981, it was in Libra. And that really kicked off a 20 year cycle of amazing advancements in technology. Yeah personal computers and cell phones and um, the, the dawn of the internet and uh, cable television, and the changes to the to the news cycle and so forth. Yeah. So it, it we, was dazzling. Your word was dazzling, right? I mm -hmm. think, let me not misquote you, but when you were talking, April, about like the, the sky dazzling, my sense is a sort of dazzling transition time. Now that's mine. And I know we're going to have some interesting rough spots, but call me biased. But I really think in this dynamic of Sagittarius, right? Or let's say Jupiter and Saturn in this little dance, right? Mm -hmm. I think because of Aquarius, it's almost like if these two were playing a ping pong match and mm -hmm. Aquarius was the referee, and there was a ball in question, the point would go to Jupiter. Maybe. I, th so, uh, I like how you're thinking of that, and I share your optimism about it. I would say that the analogy is a little better to a playing field. Aquarius is like the playing field yes. where they're going to be playing out. And I'm born with, as I said, with Jupiter and Saturn in a conjunction in my birth chart. And I'll tell you how it feels to have please, that. Please, please. It feels like you have one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake trying to drive a car. And it, it, 
it produces tremendous tension because there's the excitement of wanting to move forward. But there's, it's almost like you're the tin woodsman in the Wizard of Oz and they've just put oil in your joints and you're just trying to move and just trying to move forward. So we'll have this explosive kind of energy that wants to be released in Aquarius. But what's happening is this year, because Jupiter is in Aquarius, that is a sign that is ruled by Saturn. So Saturn has the upper hand. Yeah, Saturn, that's what I was afraid yeah, of. Yeah, <laughs> even though, believe me, I've got that in my birth chart. I never get to just have Jupiter. He's always Saturn <laughs> sitting right there with him. So what happens is Jupiter, is, uh, it's a little more restrained than we normally would associate with Jupiter. You know, it is, it is more cal- a little more strategic, a little more calculated, very intellectual. And, but make no mistake, I have felt it over the last week, this excitement, this rush of energy of these things moving into Aquarius because Aquarius is an exciting sign. It's a sign whose job is to wake us up and to make sure we're really paying attention to what's going around uh, on around us and also to calculate some kind of vision for the future and some attention to our personal legacy as well. Um, it, it's fascinating you say that and I did forget that about Saturn, but you know, when we take a look at this, there's so there are many other planets in play as well. I know we're yes. focusing on these two today because mm-hmm. they get, this is the Oscars and this is that, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. They, this they is best to, picture here. Yeah, yeah, this is best picture and they get it. But there are other planets working in, in, yeah. in conjunction with the energies of this. Mm-hmm. But from your perspective and your excitement and certainly with your colleagues, right? Mm-hmm. When you think about this and where we were in 2020 and what this represents moving forward, yeah, what excites you most about what's coming? I think it is the, it's the feeling that energy and enthusiasm and optimism will begin to return. Because in 2020, it was not just Saturn with uh, Pluto, which was a really dark, heavy uh, conjunction. We have that about every 35 years and it's never happy news. Um, But then Jupiter joined them and Jupiter has been in Capricorn. Now, Jupiter again, doesn't work quite as well in the Saturn ruled signs of Capricorn and Aquarius. So every, you know, 12 years, you're gonna have two years in a row of Jupiter kind of having to restrain himself, energy being low. So on the other hand, Jupiter being there was good news for Saturn and Pluto because it did give a little bit of hope, a little bit of a sense of we can learn something from this. Jupiter is the learning planet. He wants us to make meaning of our world wherever he is. So in Capricorn, it was kind of hard, you know, there were there were whole months at a time that was a little hard to see. We did have a period begin the between the uh, the end of March and the beginning of July when Saturn briefly went into Aquarius. That's when we went into lockdown and social distancing. And it so perfectly suited one way of interpreting Saturn and Aquarius, which is constraint with socialization. So it, but I don't think that's what this whole uh, transit of Saturn Aquarius is going to be about at all. I think we're supposed to learn how to rebuild society. You know, we have never been so polarized. There is, there has never been in my lifetime, such a lack of 
any kind of consensus in our society about even who the authorities are, who should we listen to, what is our path forward as a people. During this Capricorn time, because Capricorn is such a solitary sign, and it really described this process of the last year of us going into our little caves, and each of us sometimes individually figuring out what do we believe about all the stuff that's going on? What do we think is the right way to respond to this emergency? And how long is it going to last? And what's progress going to look like? How are we going to get out of this? Well, now that everything is moving into Aquarius, my excitement is that there will be a shift into reclaiming some of that sense of, of, um, of society, of the way we share and co-create our world and to come up with some visions for the future. Uh, because during the last year, I don't know about you, Dr. Pat, the thing that's been hardest for me is there's been nothing to look forward to, except maybe this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because you can't plan a trip, you know, you're not gonna go to someone's wedding. It, it's just been a lack of uh, the future. We have been denied the future. And that is what Aquarius rules, it's the future. Yeah. So this yeah. year and coming into February, we've got a ton of planets in Aquarius. Joining That's Jupiter what I was going to ask you, right? Because as we move forward, you know, we're talking about two right now, mm -hmm. but that's not everything that's in play. Right. Right. And that's what I hear people excited about. They, of course, people are excited about today. Yeah. You know, it, they're excited about the energy of this. Truly, if you come from my generation, you know, we've been we've been singing about the age of Aquarius before it like was even like the age of Aquarius. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, but that shift you talked about, and this is my sense of it, so help me out, started a couple of days ago, maybe the 17th or 18th. Mm -hmm. And then I found out that that is when, is this correct, where Jupiter actually started to move into Aquarius. Is that true? I think I think Jupiter moved in on the 19th and Saturn moved in on the 16th. Okay. So, you know, what's interesting is the burden of things seems less. Yes. That's how I feel. Exactly. I don't know if it's like, um, you know, the, it, uh, what do you call it when it's, mm, you know, what I'm trying to say, when it's an idea that's been planted. What yes. Yes. I haven't yeah. had enough coffee yet, clearly. But, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at my coffee that's ice cold, so I'm kind of <laughs> with you on that. Um, yeah. But this is really the time for us where we're looking at this. Now, let me ask you this question for people that want to know. I had not gotten my solar return done in a long time, and I used to get it done every year. Mm -hmm. And my first step was to literally get the paper form from you. My uh -huh. next step is I don't understand what any of this means except all the great detail. But yeah. you have another way of looking at this. There's so much information. You know, as a matter of fact, it's one of the most thorough reports I've ever gotten, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But there's much more to this. And I love the way you talk about this. And let me give you an example. You see, you go, as I'm looking at this and I'm reading, you, you take us on this interesting journey and you say, let me give it specific for me. You say, if your feelings about your pro profession are positive, push through. Now, this mm -hmm. is from my chart. Mm -hmm. And then it says, if your feelings about your business profession are, are negative, pretty much don't pay attention to them. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I mean, this is interesting because people looking for ways 
to make sense of things, right? You know, right. The, my son now in the 10th house and certainly mm -hmm. looking at that and what that means. Mm -hmm. But when we look at it, we try to make sense of the energy of it. And we try to make sense of what it means to us. From your perspective, how can we share with people about what this day and this conjunction might mean to the world? Well, there's what it means to the world and there's what it means to us individually. And yes. I don't think it's completely different. Um, okay. But, you know, we talked a little bit about what I think it means for us as society moving forward. Usually when at least we've had Saturn in Aquarius, Jupiter only lasts a year in a sign, but Saturn takes two and a half years. So it's a little more of a profound effect on that. And in the in the recent past in my lifetime, when we've sat, had Saturn in Aquarius, it usually is a time of, of uh, progress. Uh, in society. So I think we can expect to see um, a lot more of that in the next couple years, next two and a half years. And in particular, in this year with Jupiter also in Aquarius. For us personally, a lot of it is going to depend on how much you know about your chart, how much you know about astrology. Um, if you know about your chart and you know how to, you know, place something in a chart, you can look for the house of the chart that has Aquarius in it. And we're looking for the very first degree of Aquarius. That's where this conjunction is the strongest. So you would look for that in your chart. And you'd say, well, each house of the chart, each of the 12th houses describes a particular area of your life, where again, it's the field of play. It's, um, it's the stage that you're performing on. So if you have it, for instance, in the, in the third house of your chart, that's a house of communication of neighbors of your immediate environment. And we might say where you will be called, uh, you know, to make progress, to create progress in the coming year is in the area of how you talk to people, um, learning more and more as well, because the third house is not just about talking, it's about listening. So it's about how are you conversing with people? And how are you making meaning of things on that level? Um, maybe you can do some journaling and that helps you make sense of things. And also, you know, projecting your goals for the future, say five years from now. So that's one way you can work at it. Um, people can, you know, definitely you can calculate your chart for free online. A number of sites, astro.com is a really popular one. I think at my website too, I also have something on there where you can calculate your chart. And if you don't know how to find the house it's in, I have a couple of nice reports there. They're automated reports like the one you bought. I have one by Stephen Forrest, who's a wonderful astrologer. And it talks about the birth chart and it would help you figure out, you know, where the Aquarius part of your chart is. But even if you just know the sun sign or the ascendant of your chart, we really know a lot about what you will be called to do, I think, with this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, because we're all called to move the world forward in a big way. Because last 200 years has been the agricultural society, the industrial revolution, that we've been making our way in the world and making sense of the world from a physical point of view. You know, are the crops growing? How much can I get for them? How are we going to automate all these processes? Well, we've automated everything now. What are people <laughs> going to do for a living? So that's an Aquarius question. That's an Aquarius problem. That's something we have to decide on as a society. And each of us has our role to play. So if you're an Aquarian person, 
or if you're born under one of the other, what we call fixed signs, which are Taurus, Leo, and Scorpio, as well as Aquarius, you are very strongly called in the next year. You'll face significant challenges, but you also have a lot to offer the world. And you, you won't be able to sit back and rest. A lot of us after this last year feel so depleted from all that Capricorn heaviness that we just want to take a nap. Uh, but I'll tell you, I've got a lot in my chart in those fixed signs and I'm feeling energized. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what, what those signs will be feeling. If you are, um, if you're born on the signs of Gemini and Libra, which are naturally trine Aquarius that are in the same element, they're also wow. air signs, significant gifts and rewards. I mean, this is the time when the things you've been working so hard at. Libra's had a heck of a time of it this year. And Gemini has, it's been difficult. There's been a lot of adaptation that's had to happen. Yeah, I heard that about Libra. I mean, almost everyone mm -hmm. I know has really struggled this year. Yeah. And, and not, not a struggle. What am I trying to say? Not like there are struggles and there are struggles. And I'm yeah. talking about the mental, the emotional yeah. aspect of this mm -hmm. that really has taxed itself in in on Libra from what I can tell. Um, right. look, what I'd like to do is take a short break. When we come back, mm -hmm. I'd like to dig deeper into this okay. and get a sense of you as you look forward past today, what other exciting movement of planets can we look forward to? But before we go ahead, please tell people how they can find out more about you, April, how they can get on your website, how they can work with you directly, please. Yes. Well, they can find me at my website, bigskyastrology.com, which I actually started publishing at the last Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in 2000. <laughs> so they can find me there, bigskyastrology.com. You can find my free weekly column, a lot of articles and essays that I offer. Also information about my personal readings and reports that you can buy. I've been an astrologer for a pretty long time now. Now, it's been since my Saturn, my first Saturn return, so about 1990, I think, I went into practice. It's what I do full-time. It's my full-time gig. I've written three books, uh, including The Essential Guide to Practical Astrology, which is, I think, a pretty good beginning-level level book for people that want to know more about astrology. I love it. And, you know, and the way that folks, when you go to the website, you're going to see there's so much information you also can subscribe. When we come back... What does it mean if you look at your chart and your birth chart and you're like, oh my gosh, where's Aquarius? What does that mean if you're looking at that chart and you're saying, well, is this the age of Aquarius or everybody but me? Or does something help you out in your solar return? We're going to talk about the relationship of these two when we come back. Because what happens when you look at the year ahead, especially if I look at my chart, where I'm the person say, Aquarius, Aquarius, please come out wherever you are. Um, but then you look at the return and something changes. On the other hand, as you were talking about April, Moon in Capricorn, Mercury in Capricorn, Mars in Capricorn, that's the year I've had. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back with my very special guest. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. 
We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Learn how to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles shares stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. Tune in to the show Heart Change Consciousness with me, Dr. Trish DeRocher, as stories of inspired activism come to life. Listening to conversations with your favorite authors, change makers, and many more who practice inspired spiritual activism and transform vulnerabilities into sources of strength. Let's be inspired together through my show, Heart Change Consciousness, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Check us out at drpatshow.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Oh, my goodness. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com to equip, empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go. Visit GetRootedRadio.com. What would you do with the power of community? How do you create your own rituals? Tune in to Living Your Gifts with me, Susan Huff, Ancient Applications for Modern Times, the second Wednesday of each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Our lives begin with the stories we are told and the stories we tell ourselves. Storytelling is the key. To learn more about me, visit LivingYourGifts.com. That's LivingYourGifts.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. We are taking this on for those of you. And by the way, if you have questions, give us a call 1-800-930-2819. You know, my very special guest today, uh, first of all, April Elliott Kent's joining me here today, but you can also go to bigskyastrology.com. Now, April, one of the things we were talking about during the break was the fact that I was referencing the chart that I had had done uh, the solar return chart. And uh, I would like for you to number one, let folks know how they can find out more about you more about your podcast, and -hmm. then talk about the process and the people that literally help you craft these reports. Right. Well, I do sell a few autumn, we call them automated reports. And they're good because they take your personal birth data and they create the chart, and then they assemble some pre-written information that references different points in those charts. They're a great cost-effective entry point 
for people wanting to get to know more about their charts, but that aren't quite in a position or quite ready yet to get a full reading. Um, because as you were saying about your solar return chart, and that is the chart for the moment that the sun returns to exactly the point it was in the zodiac at your birth, happens once every year within a day or so of your birthday. And this is a report written by my colleague, Mary Shea, who is brilliant, really does a lot of work with solar returns. I was telling you, I run my solar return report every year because I love what she has to say about these. And they're great. They're really comprehensive. I also sell a couple of reports by Stephen Forrest, who's one of my favorite astrologers and favorite astrology writers. I believe deeply in these reports. I sell like three of them. And then I have a report on eclipses that I wrote myself. But there comes a point when it is a little hard to make sense of it if you don't have much of a background in astrology. And that's when it, it can be helpful to get a reading at least once to understand your birth chart. So you get a full reading with myself or you know another astrologer and sit down and really go through it. People can find all of those services at my website. Just go in my online store. There's also a section where you can read about my philosophy about doing readings and what people can expect with that process. So I think it's a good idea. I do have a podcast and I wanted to shout yeah. that out before I forget because, oh my goodness, we just started it last year myself and my producer and co-host, whose name is Jen Brown, and she you know lives in Minneapolis and we just hit it off and we're having the best time producing this podcast. It comes out every Monday. Uh, we have a lot of fun. There's a lot of laughs. But our idea with the podcast was um, there are a lot of podcasts out there for people that are really proficient with astrology. We wanted to talk to people who are not dumb, but don't know a ton of astrology. So it's a little bit of a teaching opportunity for yeah. us. And we try to just take a look at the week ahead say what we think about it and we're really having a good time so it's just called the big sky astrology podcast you can find it wherever you get your podcasts and uh subscribe to that we would love to have you aboard awesome thank you so much for that um i want to talk about a couple of other things too and also we started to talk about like there are folks that are looking at their birth chart and there are certain things that are happening that are in addition to us talking about Jupiter and Saturn. There are other things. For example, what I learned is when I looked at my solar return chart, um, I was had a, a huge awakening about the position of the sun in this chart, where it is and, and what that means. And I wasn't thinking that. You know, mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking about, oh, wait a minute, my son has now moved to my 10th house. And right, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, you think about your birth chart, but you think about it's always going to be there. It's going to be like right there. Mm -hmm. But then things move and things change. Right. And the well, there are, change. Yes, there are several different methods that actually many methods that astrologers use to reflect your progress through life because you don't stay the same and astrology reflects that now your birth chart's always going to be your birth chart it is the map of your potential it says here's why you're here here's the work that you have to accomplish and here are the skills and challenges that you are given in performing that work so that's always our base chart. We always begin with that. What makes the solar return chart unique is it takes, a, you know, it's a moment in time in a given year. And it is sort of a, a microcosm 
of all of the other systems that we might use to interpret the year for you. All of these same kinds of things are gonna show up in that solar return report. So it's a, that's a fascinating one. We will also look at what we call transits, which is the position of the planets in the sky right now, as they impact the positions of the planets in your birth chart. So if you have something in your chart at zero degrees of Aquarius, say it's the sun, let's say that you were born on January 21st or whatever it is, and your sun is at zero degrees of Aquarius, we know this Jupiter Saturn resonates with that part of your chart. And it says, what's going on out there, transits, is sending stuff to you personally in this point of your chart. So that's how we work with that. So you look at the house that it falls in and you look at any planets it's connecting with. I find it fascinating and, and, and thinking about this and thinking about the importance of where things are relative to a house. Mm -hmm. So look, can we talk about this for a minute? Because, mm -hmm. you know, folks get their charts and they look at it and they say, I'm a Sagittarian or I'm a Virgo mm -hmm. or I'm this or I'm that. But I was fascinated by having a different perspective this year, especially from my solar return. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's one thing to be, you know, to have your sun sign uh, Sagittarius in this house. But yeah. now it's over in this house and it's, it's not there alone. It has many different aspects to it. Right. What I think people, uh, if you're like me, you're always in awe on what's operating, right? What yeah. does it mean to have five or more cardinal planets? So what does it mean in my case to have zero or one air planet, right? Mm -hmm. But right. then when you move on and you talk about the sun and let's do that now. Mm -hmm. And the placement of the sun, it seems to have a significance and importance. Help me out. Am I overemphasizing that? No, that's, it's because that chart, the solar return chart, is yeah. based on the sun. Yeah. It tells the biggest story in that chart. You know, there are lots of other planets in astrology, but let's give the sun his due. You know, there's a reason sun sign columns work a little bit if they're written well. It's because the sun's so important. So what we say in a solar return chart is we look at the house placement the sun is in. It's the core message of the year. We look at the houses of the chart that have Leo on the cusp because Leo is ruled by the sun. So you're going to see a lot of emphasis in those houses as well. And then you're going to look at the other planets and see what they're doing as well. But the sun is the whole story in the solar return chart. Do you know what house of your birth chart the sun is in? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I think it's the ninth house. It's the one over, like, here's the top, mm -hmm. right? It's the one to the right. So the ninth house. Yeah. Perfect yeah, I think it is the ninth person. house. I can look real quick. Mm -hmm. So that gives it a double Sagittarian feel. Yeah. And, and influence. And, yeah. And now it's hopped over to the 10th house. Mm -hmm. right? right. So uh, it says the fascinating. Yeah. The sun is about what we're trying to, to be, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's an aspirational symbol. It's not like we're, it's not like we come out of the shoot knowing how to be our sun sign. You had to learn to be a Sagittarian. And a lot of those qualities came naturally to you, but not the whole, not the whole ball of wax. So we go through our lives aspiring to be what the sun describes in our chart. 
So in the year, and you'll just have it for a year, but it's fun to have the sun in the 10th house. It means that all these things that you have from having the sun in the ninth house, which is a sense of why the world works the way it does, a curiosity about what things mean. And um, a, a certain propensity to scholarship as well, like taking a lot of different ideas and then making meaning from them. So what happens is this year, that gets taken to the next level in your career because it's the 10th house. But we're always coming back to the birth chart. We're always coming back to basically you're this and this year you get to do it here. Yeah. This year you get to really shine. You get to take, well, you've started your network, but it, I mean, this would also speak of some other big project. Possibly well, the, the project links. is the expansion of the network. Yeah. We've been building an expansion for four years and mm -hmm. we're finished with our technology. Yeah, fantastic. You right. should do good things with that this year then, right? With the sun in the 10th house. Yeah. It, it says you're becoming an empire. You're building an empire at this point. Hmm. And it's to teach and to enlighten and to transform because those are all those ninth house words. Yeah. So you see how they work together? I, I do. And I was fascinated by learning about this as I was mm -hmm. reading through, you know, how the energetically and connectively we're given choices. Mm -hmm. And I think this sometimes is a problem when we think astrology is going to dictate or predict everything. Yeah, I, and every astrologer has to come to their own understanding of the role that fate plays in life and in our work. I don't tend to be fatalistic like you. I have the sun in the ninth house. I have Sagittarius rising. I like to think that possibilities are limitless. That's why I call my, my website Big Sky Astrology. I'm not from Montana. I just, I like the idea of boundless opportunities. So I like to think that there are certain things, possibly if you believe in fate, that there are certain things perhaps we're fated to experience, but what isn't fated is our response to that. And what I find so useful for me personally in astrology, and it seems for my clients as well, is that astrology can help you focus on a different way to frame things and to look at, I always look at anything in a chart and think it wants something. It yeah. wants a positive expression. How can we help? But until we're enlightened to that, often we'll do it all the wrong ways and be frustrated and start to really hate our chart. But really everything in the chart wants something for us. And so we, it's a question of figuring out what that is so that we can just make a little pivot in sometimes in one small direction and everything falls into place. So yeah. rather than, yeah, it's prognosticating. It's saying, well, this is what the weather's going to be, but what are you going to do about it? Are you going to take out an umbrella or are you going to get soaked? <laughs> what do you want to do? Yeah. Well, what I find fascinating about this is too, how it all works. And a friend of mine said to me, but you know, do you understand that the difference between your birth chart and your solar chart is changes everything. Meaning what's my ascendant now? Uh, what was my ascendant on my birth chart and what's my ascendant now? Mm -hmm. and what's the meaning of those things? And, and I right. find that really fascinating when you look and you step back from it and you look at what our lives and the evolution of our lives have come to mean. Yes. But don't you find intuitively, like intuitively, before I read 
what I read in the solar return and especially about what you just said mm -hmm. in the 10th house, I intuitively knew that this was the year that's coming. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I had an intuitive sense. Um, some people call it an esoteric sense. Some people say there's a soul path nature to this. Mm -hmm. Can you talk for a minute about the soul path nature to astrology? I could tell you what I think of it. Yeah. Because I don't, you know, when we start getting into anything that's metaphysical, anything that's esoteric, um, it's not like something we can prove, right? <laughs> so it's, it's like religion. It's like you take it on faith. So with astrology, my, my, the, the, you know, people used to ask me, oh, do you really believe in astrology? I said, well, I used to say, well, no, it's just a language. And it's how I describe life. But of course, I've come to the realization, the understanding, of course, it's something you have to believe in. The core belief of astrology is everything's connected. And unless you have that belief, astrology makes no sense whatsoever. But if you sense that the, there is a way that the universe works, it's like this giant, you know, complex mechanical device, like a clock, and it's just ticking away, ticking away. But unless you believe that we are all connected, that there is no such thing as coincidence or whatever, astrology makes no sense at all. Um, a lot of astrologers, there are astrologers uh, called evolutionary astrologers. Stephen Force is one of them. And they believe, uh, you know, very strongly in an evolutionary path that includes past lives. And they'll read certain points in the chart as being specifically related to that evolutionary path. Wow. And what you're here to accomplish and that everything else in the chart is in support of that. And it's a it's an interesting theory. It's I've had a reading from that perspective. It was really helpful, really meaningful. Is it true? I love what Stephen Forrest will say. He'll he sat down with me. He said, I'm going to tell you a story. And I don't know if it's accurate, but I know it's true. Because what he was saying was the details of the story he was intuiting about past lives was not what was important. What was important is what I'm going to do with it here and now and moving forward. So I think that's another thing that astrology can help us with is to give us a sense of ourselves as connected to something bigger than our own small concerns and to walk that path with more intention. Does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah, I mean, what's what I find fascinating about it is in the conversations I've had over the years, you know, people have said to me that have done sort of astrology, solar returns, whatever, whatever the language is, have taken a look. And, you know, sometimes people look out more than one year, or they'll take mm -hmm. a look and they'll see, you know, where a planet is and what its mm -hmm. time is of moving from here to there. Absolutely. And somebody made a comment to me, and I can't remember who it was. But they said something like, and this was 10 years ago, they said something like, and you never want to hear this April, by the way, they okay, I'm listening. They said something when we first started the network 10 years ago. They said, you're going to build something, but you're not really going to see the full impact of it until 10 years. Now, you're thinking, what? Because that's not what you want to hear. I know. But it doesn't mean that things aren't going to progress. And I went back and tried to find the email from this person because they're spot on 
I could never have predicted that it would take 2021 for us to realize and finish the what we're building in the world mm. of radio and podcasting. Right. And yet it all got finished in this time period, which is highly, we were unpleasantly surprised. So how can we help people today look at the optimistic side of what might be coming this year? Well, it, it's a good question because I can't tell you how many people have come into my path in the last week that are really stuck in that very dark negative Capricorn space. And they're feeling very resistant to any message of hope coming from you know Jupiter and Aquarius and all of that. And um, it's, uh, that's, it's hard to make that shift. And what I have said to people, because I believe in being realistic, because I don't think realistic is pessimistic. No, I think realistic honors Saturn. Saturn has his place. It's not just to bum us out and keep us from getting what we want. To build what you wanted to build, for instance, that was Saturn work, as well as other planets. But Saturn is the one that sees the long game and respects that there is a lot of work, just hard grunt work. If it were easy, Dr. Pat, everyone would have done it. But it's not easy. And it was your path. And you walked it in a Saturn way. So we have to thank Saturn for that today. We have to respect him for that and say, thank you. We know that the last couple of years have been brutally hard, but it's like it's we've been in boot camp to prepare us. Because you think changing the world the way Aquarius wants us to change it is going to be easy? It is not. It is hard. And Aquarius has within it as a symbol that wisdom because it's ruled by Saturn, as well as Uranus in modern astrology. You know, and that's like the electrical impulse, the thing shooting forward in a way we couldn't have imagined. But there's a lot of Saturn that goes with building a future. And sometimes I do have to sit with clients and they're saying, when will I find a partner? And I'm thinking, you oh, know, like six years. I don't want to tell them that. <laughs> but what I want to focus on, let's talk about where you are now. What is it that you feel is getting in the way of you finding the kind of relationship you want? Because someone doesn't go from here to there in a week if it's something important, right? It's something that takes time. And people have to sort of realize that. And it, it can be... Uh, it's not the kind of news that you want to give a client ever. So you try to find ways of appreciating the here and now and the work that they're doing now that will pay off later. You know, this, what you're talking about is for me, it, it didn't come to the forefront until I was reading a part of my return where Neptune was in my first house. Now, Neptune is not something I pay a lot of attention to. I don't know why. Don't ask me. Nobody but does. I, he sneaks under the radar. <laughs> and he can't, and the reading on this for me, and there's a lot in this chart. There's a lot that I wanted to read about, and there's some things I didn't. But when I got to this part and I saw this and, and the interpretation of this, I totally got it. It was like the summation of this was so spot on. And the idea of the soul interpretation and the spirituality in this particular place, mm -hmm. it was so, how should I say it? Heart opening. Wonderful. Because, you know, this spirituality and esoteric 
astrology or esoteric anything it's hard to put your finger on it right it's hard to put your finger on it but it's something that works on our inner parts doesn't it yeah i mean and heart opening is such a beautiful description of what neptune ideally can mean for us and when you talked about other planets that are really having an influence on us uh, Neptune's been quietly there alongside all those Capricorn planets all year in close, pretty close aspect, a sextile aspect, which is a, one of, of opportunity and promise. And it's saying, if you will just trust the process, if you will do the Capricorn day-to-day work and just keep trudging along, then, and have faith, in the end, you will be successful. And it's the faith part that has been so elusive for so many of us this year, because it's hard to see the future. It's been really hard to see where we're headed. And we're, but we've been in a perfectly Neptune limbo all year. People having to lock down, be in quarantine, see very few people, spend time with their thoughts uh, and their ideas. That's Neptune work. It's spiritual work. So we've been in seclusion for this year. And now I feel that that's something we are kind of getting ready to bounce out of Mm. is that seclusion. Wow. April, thank you so much for joining me on air. I I want to, again, ask you to let folks know all about what you have, what you're offering. And then I'd like to ask you for your personal message for today, what you would like to leave us with. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you again so much for inviting me. This is such a, such a treat. And uh, people can find me at bigskyastrology.com. That's my website and home. You can sign up for my mailing list. And if you do that, you get a monthly lunar workbook that comes out at each new moon, uh, as well as information about different, you know, articles I've published and things that are coming up, events that I'm doing. I have uh, books for sale. One is the Essential Guide to Practical Astrology, and the other is called Astrological Transits. And you can find both of those at Amazon or pretty much wherever you get books. They're both available in Kindle format as well. And of course, my wonderful podcast, the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with myself and Jen Brown. That comes out every Monday morning, bright and early and dependably. Find it wherever you get podcasts. And my personal thought for the day is, I guess, believe, really, because it's the solstice. It's that time when the sun's gotten as low in the midday sky as it's going to get, and there's no place to go but up. And we are all rising and moving toward the light. And the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction is a big part of that. So go out tonight, try to see it where you are, or watch it on the internet, like Dr. Pat will be doing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were hoping we'd see it, but it's not going to happen. It's not looking good for you. No, yeah, it's not. Sorry. I'll tell uh, it hello from me. Yes, from please you. do. Yes. Send it my love. I will. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. And please step into your fullness right now. You know, step into all that you have ever thought about yourself to be. But today is when you know you are much more than that. We'll see you next time.